Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by no one. It's just me. I'm flying solo. For some reason, you guys like it when I do that. I feel insane when I do it, but apparently you're big fans, so you're super weird. I don't know what to tell you. Um, hello, everyone. I am a very sleepy baby right now because I spent the day walking around the Botanic Garden with my mom. No big deal. Brack, brack, brack. I have a mom. And it was super fun. But I'm a sleepy little baby now because I was in the sun for a little bit. And um, I am what the experts call a pale Irish female. So if I'm in the sun too long, I get a little sleepy. Get a little sleepy. I burn, which thankfully I didn't burn today. But um, yeah, I. this is how you start a show, right? You just tell everyone how tired you are. <laughs> Hello, everyone. If you're new to Light Trees and News, here's what the show is. Uh, it is divided into three parts. I talk about pop culture, sometimes with a guest host, sometimes by myself, up top, and then I give you some bad news. Uh-oh, but don't worry, I end the show with good news. Oh, and shout out to, I don't have your names in front of me, um, Joel Kim Booster, who's a very funny stand-up comic, was asking for <laughs> lefty suggestions for political podcasts. I believe he phrased it, are there any lefty political podcast hosts who aren't terrible <laughs> or like have terrible personalities, which was a very funny thing to say or to ask. And a few of you recommended Light Trees and News. So I, I saw you and I thank you. Someone phrased it so funny though. Hold on, I have to find it. <laughs> Truly a ringing endorsement where they... Uh, oh, am I not going to be able to find it? Hold on. Guys, it's just that mm, everybody tweets me so much because uh, I'm pretty popular. So... I probably shouldn't phrase it that way when I just described myself as being a left-wing host with a somewhat okay personality. But someone was like, um, Allison Kilkenny and Light Trees and News, it's pretty good. And I was like, damn, I really wish, I, I want to put that as a quote um, in my Twitter bio. Pretty good. I Listen, I'll take it. Pretty good is good. It's in that phrase, the word good. So I'll take it. I'll take your pretty good review, sir. Thank you. Uh, and again, thank you to everyone who recommended the show. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but we don't have corporate sponsors. So the only way people find out about the show is when you give your sweet-ass recommendations. So thank you. So guys, listen. I'm going to be a little scatterbrained this episode because I'm recording this on Sunday, dropping it the same day to keep that news spicy and hot uh, tonight's the Game of Thrones finale, and I am not, in any sense of the word, ready. Mentally, spiritually, physically, materially, I'm not ready. And I, I truly don't think they're going to stick the landing, and it's going to be terrible. I kind of hope, I tweeted this, excuse me, while I cite myself, I kind of hope the finale is just an hour and 15 minutes of Bran addressing a room full of people saying over and over and over again, I am the three-eye raven. Until 
people start leaving one by one, like trickling out at an agonizingly slow pace. And I hope that's the finale of the show. I know it won't be because they have to tie up loose ends, blah, 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 blah. But that is like, if they had asked me, like, hey, Allison, you've had nothing to do with the show up until this point. How would you end the show? That would be my idea. I, I'm assuming that, I guess, like, loose spoiler warning if you're not caught up with Game of Thrones <laughs> and you're interested in it, but you're not caught up. Who are you? Who are you, difficult person? Straw man that I've made up in my head. If you're one of those people, I guess, skip ahead to the next music cue because I'm going to speculate. There's some strong Game of Thrones speculation coming up. So, you know, obviously, Arya's probably going to try to kill Danny or kill her. I don't know. Maybe Danny will kill Arya. That would be. I feel like, you know what? I feel like I want to be surprised in the series finale. And I'm worried I won't be because at this point, they're just like, we got to wrap this up. We got to give the audience what they want somewhat and tie up these loose ends and we got to just be done with it. So I'm, I just don't want it to be boring. You know what I mean? I don't know. How do you guys feel? Hashtag light trees and pod. Is anyone still watching Game of Thrones who listens to the show? If so, another bonus app is probably coming your way with me and uh, Sally from the struggle bus. We're going to talk through our feelings, I'm sure. I'll post that as a bonus episode at my Patreon. Hey guys, I have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. You should go sign up there for bonus content, bonus writing, all that good stuff. For as little as $5 a month, you can even send questions that will answer on Light Treason News. It's a good time. Also, $10 a month and higher. We do these monthly hangouts, uh, online hangouts, not in person. <laughs> what are you, high? <laughs> uh, online hangouts. And those are very fun. We share pet photos. We share like music and TV and film recommendations. It's super fun. So we have like our sort of regular posse with occasional new people popping in. It's, it's a good time. So other recommendations. Or should I speculate more about Game of Thrones? I don't know, you guys. They better melt that fucking throne. That's like the ending that is sort of canon in my head <laughs> where I'm like, nobody can sit on that throne. If Jon Snow sits on that fucking throne, I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be in my feelings because he's, I don't know. Jon's boring. He shouldn't sit on the throne. I wanted it to be Cersei. I wanted Cersei to kill everybody. And obviously that didn't happen. And I was very upset about that. They did Cersei wrong. Here's how I feel about the entire show right now. The conclusions that they've come up with for characters I agree with. I think everything is just way too rushed. So do I think that Jamie would return to Cersei to die in the arms of the woman he loves? Yes, because Jamie Lannister said that to us in one of the early seasons. That's all he wanted. I bought that happening. I just didn't buy it happening in that time frame. You and Brienne of Tarth just boned, dude. Where are you going? Oh, you got to go run back to your wacky twin to be buried alive under rubble? Come on. I really liked the last episode's themes of revenge being futile. 
Thought that was fascinating. Loved the moment where the hound looks at Arya and says, do you want to be like me? No. Fuck no. That guy was tormented every day of his life. Half his face is melted. Nobody wants to be like the hound. So I bought Arya ultimately being like, fuck this noise and leaving King's Landing. It happened way too fast. Why the fuck did you go all the way there if you were just going to turn around? You know? This is where, like, uh, it, it does become, like, painfully evident. I don't have anybody to bounce ideas off of. I'm just going to assume you're all nodding emphatically right now. Thank you for your support. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like <laughs> Game of Thrones is going to be a monumental letdown. People are going to be pissed. Hopefully I'm wrong. I don't want to be let down. I want to have a satisfying ending. I don't know if Tyrion's going to make it out alive. Part of me is like, yeah, he will, because he just feels like a character who miraculously survives something like this. But also it's Game of Thrones, so I could see him dying brutally. Um, maybe they'll kill him during the credits. That would be funny at the end. He made it, and then wolves get him. Should be wolves. Um, guys, other recommendations. Do check out on Netflix, Tuca and Birdie. It's very, very funny. It's an animation um, by the same lady who made or did the animation for BoJack Horseman. And it's very, very funny. Uh, the voices are Tiffany Haddish and Ali Wong. The creator, animator is Lisa Hanawalt. It's very, very funny. It's dark like BoJack Horseman, but I would say it's not as dark as BoJack Horseman, at least in the first season. Um, there are like very real moments. <laughs> like they, they explore Me Too and all of that stuff, uh, sexual harassment, and... But it, it so far hasn't gotten as dark as BoJack Horseman, which isn't a complaint. Just a tone uh, note for those of you out there who maybe thought BoJack Horseman gets too dark. Uh, Tuke and Birdie so far has not gotten that dark. Maybe in the next season if they get renewed. But it's very, very funny. Um, I think Tiffany Haddish and Ali Wong do a great job as the voiceover artist. Nicole Byer plays a bunch of different characters, and she's so funny. John Early. It's like a really, really good cast. Um, oh, I'm spacing on his name. Oh, shit. Steven. Oh, hold on. Um, I want to remember it on my own, and I won't. Stupid brain. Glenn from The Walking Dead. You all know who I'm talking about. Um, he is one of the voiceover artists and he's great. Um, and yeah, I, I highly recommend it. The episodes go super fast. Steven Yen, Steven Yen, man, he's so funny. I don't think a lot of people know that he, his background is improv comedy. So I'm glad he's getting to show his very, very funny side. Um, what a delight. I hope he does more comedies in his future because, Man, his comedic timing is so good. Yeah, he's just a joy. So do check that out. Um, I have some music recommendations. You ready? Do you have your little piece of paper and a pen? I'll let you get your little pen. I'll stall. It's okay. You don't have to pause the episode. I'm just going to 
I'll create the pause for you. Okay, are you ready? Go find your little pen. Do 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 so do you guys actually write down any of the recommendations that we talk about on the show? I'd be curious to know that. Do you write it down or do you just like type into your browser really quick? Or do you completely ignore us, which is also valid? Do you just sit there being like, that sounds dumb. That also sounds dumb. That does not sound like my thing. No, thank you. That would also be valid. So music recommendations. Megan the Stallion has her, I believe her first album is out. It's called Fever. You can download it on Spotify. I was trying to remember, I had a guest on the show who actually recommended Megan Thee Stallion way back in the day. I believe it was Pia Glenn who recommended her and said that she was very excited about Megan Thee Stallion because she was sort of under the radar at the time. And Pia, if, if it was Pia, I apologize if it wasn't, and I'm just putting words into her mouth, said that she was very, like, happy because she felt like she had discovered something that a lot of people didn't know about. And now Megan Thee Stallion, I feel like, is on the cusp of blowing up. So if it's important to you to stay ahead of music curves, get on the Megan Thee Stallion train. I should have said Megan Thee Stallion Stallion. Sorry, everybody. I blew it. Um, it's a sick album. She's one of the best female rappers around right now go fucking listen to it uh also the nationals new album is great uh they're just so fucking good every time i'm like is this when they're gonna jump the shark it's still so good they're wonderful uh and listen to me carly ray jepson is she a robot masquerading as a person maybe Was she designed in a lab to create perfect summer bops? Almost indisputably yes. I don't know if she's human, but man, can that girl write a hook. It is a perfect summer album. I was listening to it the other day, and listen, sometimes this happens in New York City. I accidentally walked 15,000 steps. If you're not familiar with how many steps equals how many miles, it was many, 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 many miles. I thought I was going to one place, and then it turned out I was walking in the wrong direction for, look, several hours. Sometimes that happens. I'm a Pisces. I space out. I'm listening to Carly Rae. Suddenly, uh uh-oh, why am I by the water? I was supposed to be walking in the opposite direction. Long story short, I listened to all three of those albums, Back to back to back to back. Because I was like, I'm sorry, how much dope new good music is out right now? All of it? And it's beautiful out right now? I guess I'm going for a seven-hour walk. Sometimes I do that. And uh, my feet hurt a lot now. But I listened to all of those albums back to back to back. And Carly Rae's new album is so fucking good. And listen to me. June's coming up. It's Pride Month. If you are a straight so-called ally out there, as I describe myself to be, it is actually a hate crime if you don't listen to the new Carly Rae album. That's just a fact, and I'm sorry if it's an, an inconvenient truth for you. Shout out 
to Al Gore. Um, somebody the other day tweeted, how do you think the universe where Al Gore became president is doing right now? And I had a 15-minute existential crisis. I was literally staring off into space, having a full-on internal meltdown. But that's just what it's like being in my brain. So I need some Carly Rae in my life right now. She just is pure joy. Because, again, she was made in a lab. So if you also need pure joy designed by the finest scientists and engineers to convince us she's a person, she's not, guys. Do go download Carly Rae's new album. It's a bop. Are you listening to it right now? Do you like it? Hashtag Pod. Tell me what's going on with you. I like hearing from you. I like knowing what's up. A lot of you are younger than me. You got your fingers, you got your little fingers on the pulse of the culture. And I want to hear from you. Am I doing it right? Were those cool recommendations? <coughs> Guys, I'm going to be coughing a lot too. Because when I was at the Botanic Gardens, um, I was breathing in a lot of pollen. Like, that's, like, basically the worst place a person with bad allergies can go. And I was just, I just dove into it. There was just a cloud of pollen that I instantly inhaled. So, also in recommendations, um, and speaking of Game of Thrones and speaking of the upcoming hole in HBO scheduling that Game of Thrones will leave... Are you guys watching Chernobyl? Eric and I talked about it on last week's recap. It's a fucking good show. And listen, is it very bleak and depressing? Oh my God, yes. Have you heard of Chernobyl? It's not a happy story. But what's so fascinating about it is, so this story took place 30 years ago, and it somehow still acts as like a dire warning (laughs) to the present about what can happen when an administration is more concerned with um, propaganda and keeping up appearances than acknowledging the truth of a disaster that's happening. Basically, the whole thing's a metaphor for climate change. And it's beautifully shot. Oh, it's so good. I'm obsessed with it. There's only been two episodes. This is, um, it's been a while since I've been watching a show in real time. And I am just in agony waiting for these episodes to drop because it's so fucking good. And the cast is amazing. It's really, really beautifully done. I have a bad feeling it's not going to get the same sort of international audience that Game of Thrones got. Because, listen, it's hard to compete with a a fantasy show that has dragons and so many tits. Like, every episode, you're guaranteed to see boobies. Chernobyl's not that show. Can you imagine if there were just like a lot of tits in Chernobyl? So it would be in bad taste is what I'm saying. And I'm glad they didn't do that. Prestige entertainment. So I have a feeling they're not going to be able to get that same sort of widespread audience. But man, I hope it catches on and that it spreads um, the positive reviews spread by word of mouth. Because I want multiple seasons of it. So please watch Chernobyl. Um, (laughs) My little podcast, helping out HBO. You're welcome, HBO. Send me money. Uh, And then finally, this is a New York City recommendation. Because unfortunately, you can only see this show in Brooklyn. 
But oh man, what a joy. If you are in the area, if you can get to Brooklyn, do go see Oscar at the Crown. Um, I don't even know how to describe this show. I really liked their own summary of it. Let me go read it. Um, so basically there is a bar called the Crown in uh Brooklyn and in the back of this bar is a huge room um like a weirdly huge room for shows and stuff and there is like a traditional stage in the corner and then a big dance floor <laughs> and Oscar uh so the show is called Oscar and essentially Oscar is like think Oscar Wilde biography meets Rocky Horror. And that's Oscar at the Crown. So it th- there's like a loose storyline about a group of individuals who have survived the apocalypse that is caused by um, the housewives of Bravo. They There's rationale to it. <laughs> there's a plot. They, they explain how it happens. And the survivors... Um, are talking about uh, Oscar Wilde. And this is the coolest show I've seen in so long, you guys, where they don't just, like, perform and dance on the stage. Um, They also perform on these, like, moving platforms that are wheeled around the room. Um. It's just so cool. So this is how they describe it. Oscar at the Crown is set far in a dystopian future where little has survived save for sequins, reality TV, and the complete works of Oscar Wilde. (laughs) And it's so good. It's so good. The music is so good. Um, The singing's so good. The dancing's fierce. The costumes are amazing. It is the gayest thing I've seen in a while, and I saw Eurovision yesterday, you guys. So that is a huge endorsement for me. Um, and they also get into the complicated background of Oscar Wilde, where, like, he was not a good person. <laughs> I mean, at least to his family. He had two sons. He abandoned them. And they they get into the messiness of how he abused emotionally abused his wife and she's a huge character in the show and she has a beautiful song at the end that made me just full-on cry uh it's amazing and I speaking of getting to see stuff and feeling like you're ahead of the curve I came home and I told my roommates I feel like I got to see Hamilton in previews it's like that good it's amazing and it um, they were in previews when I saw them. It's going to blow up. Tickets are so cheap right now. They're like $14. And they're going to be hundreds of dollars one day. So if you are in the New York City area, go see Oscar at the Crown. My God, it's so good. What a treat. I'm so glad I got to see it. You guys, those are my recommendations. How do you feel about them? Hashtag Light Trees and Pod. As always, you can send your recommendations as well. Just use the hashtag on Twitter. Uh, If you're not on Twitter, use those comment sections. You can comment on our posts on Instagram, on Facebook. We love hearing from you guys. Um, I'm just going to use the royal we, even when it's me, because mm, my co-hosts are always with me in my heart. I'm just kidding. Everyone is dead to me the second I stop seeing them. Guys, on that note, it's that time of the show 
Let's all hold hands and cry. Here is your bad news. Alabama. Ugh, Alabama. We got to start there, right? So, I'm sure you've all heard that uh, Alabama, while abortion is still legal in Alabama and Georgia, the Alabama abortion law, which was passed by the state Senate on Tuesday and signed into law Wednesday by Republican Governor Kay Ivey, a woman, is the nation's most restrictive. It imposes a ban on nearly all abortions and carries stiff penalties for violators. That means people trying to control their own body. Violators. Uh, Includes up to 99 years in prison for a doctor caught performing an abortion in the state. Uh, Another way to phrase that is 99 years in prison for a doctor caught performing a medical procedure. If that sounds insane, it's because it is insane. So this is obviously really, really scary. Um, And anybody who's claiming that, you know, reproductive um, health advocates are using hyperbolic language can go fuck themselves. You know, I know, like, the comparisons to uh, The Handmaid's Tale are really tiresome And also super insulting because uh, there's been terrible reproductive health violations going on in the United States since the founding of the United States, except usually it was women of color who were victims, and um, we only really care about it if white ladies are affected, hence The Handmaid's Tale. Um, But it's also super annoying to see prominent male pundits being like, calm down, They're not going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Even if they overturn Roe v. Wade, you'll still be able to get access to abortion. Uh, Abortions, somehow. What the fuck are you talking about? What are you basing that on? Where is any of this optimism coming from? Because the country I've been watching spiral into the abyss for the last several decades has not given me any reason to be optimistic about the future of reproductive health in this country. It's already really hard to get an abortion in this country, depending on what state you live in. Even if you live in a blue state that has abortion clinics, there are all kinds of things that might stop you from being able to get one. Money. Maybe I don't have a fucking car. Maybe I have abusive parents who won't let me get one. You know, there are all these, I mean, God, maybe, you know, what's one of the really nefarious things about what's happening in Alabama is that there's no exception for rape or incest. So imagine someone who has been impregnated by their own parent. You really think that parent's going to go take them to get an abortion? I mean, maybe, but that person has no power in that situation. So already it's very, very hard to get access to abortion in many states, even liberal states. So I don't know why these fucking dude journalists (laughs) feel optimistic about the future of reproductive health in this country. 
part of the reason they might be optimistic and that if there is a silver lining in any of this, and this is really me stretching for a silver lining, you guys, is that pro-abortion groups saw their donations skyrocket after what happened in Alabama and Georgia. In four days, the National Network of Abortion Funds raised $504,000 from more than 18,000 people. Uh, Then, of course, the Yellow Hammer Fund, that was the one everybody was really passing around, uh, easily surpassed $350,000 as of Friday morning. Um, And their annual budget is usually $80,000, so they just blew past that in one day. So if anti-choice advocates were (laughs) really hoping to get a lot of money sent to pro-abortion groups or pro-choice groups, mission accomplished. (laughs) You um, You just more than tripled, right? Oh, God, am I going to do math live? They got four times, over four times, their annual budget in a single day. So you did that. Good job. And listen, I've said this before on the show. These idiots are never going to stop abortion. All they're going to do is endanger the lives of people trying to get those abortions. Which also is their goal. (laughs) You know, I shouldn't say, like, they're really missing the mark. Like, they don't care. They don't care or they actively are hoping people seeking abortions will be harmed. Which is why, you know, people like Bill O'Reilly use that rhetoric. George Taylor, the baby killer. And he keeps saying it, and he keeps saying it, and he keeps saying it. And then some idiot who listens to your stupid show goes to a church and assassinates an abortion doctor. You can't really tell me that wasn't the goal. I feel like if you call somebody a baby killer over and over and over again, you want somebody to kill them, right? So they won't be missing the mark in their minds if they don't actually stop abortions, but they successfully kill people doing the abortions, seeking the abortions, um, that that would also be fine. That would also be a goal of theirs. So what's interesting in all of this, is interesting the right word? I don't know. That's sort of the default word I keep using uh, instead of horrifying. Um, I'm sure you all have seen this story about a toddler who was apprehended, I love the word apprehended, Uh, they caught a baby at the U.S.-Mexico border, um, and the toddler died after being held for weeks in a hospital. Um, The baby was a -a two-and-a-half-year-old Guatemalan boy. Uh, the, uh, The security patrol picked him up, uh, in El Paso, um, or that's where he was uh, in the hospital, for several weeks, uh, according to the Guatemalan consulate and another person with direct knowledge of the case. Uh, the boy hasn't been identified. <clears throat> he arrived at the border with his mother days after now acting Homeland Security Secretary Kevin uh, McAllenin. McAllenin? God, I've never said that name out loud. Uh, held a news conference near a crowded holding facility in El Paso to warn that a surge of Central Americans was pushing the system, quote-unquote, to the breaking point. Okay, so maybe stop putting them in prisons. Uh, So this is the fourth migrant child to die 
since December after being apprehended at the southern border and taken to the hospital. Strangely, and I know you'll all be stunned to hear this, the anti-choicers have nothing to say about this <laughs> because it's a brown baby. We don't care about brown babies, right? Or at least they don't. So that's when it becomes extra obvious, right, that this is not about the sanctity of life because we don't really care about all life, right? Like if we're bombing people, if we're starving them in camps. Um, this really amazing moment happened when the state Senate was debating the bill in Alabama where Saxby Chambliss, who was responding to the IVF arguments, um, cited a part of the bill that says it applies to a pregnant woman. And Saxby Chambliss, in front of everybody, with his mouth, said the egg in the lab doesn't apply. It's not a woman. She's not pregnant. So this is Saxby Chambliss saying, you know, the whole conservative argument is life begins at conception. So the IVF argument is, well, if we fertilize an egg with sperm, is that not to the moment of conception? So if like an egg is thrown out in the lab or has to be thrown out in the lab, it, would that person also be held in criminally liable? Because according to this, like, quote unquote, sanctity of life, life begins at conception, is that not killing a baby? And Saxby Chambliss in front of everybody said, no, that egg doesn't count because it's not inside a woman. So for everybody who still thinks this is about saving babies, this is Saxby Chambliss in a very honest moment saying, no, it's about controlling women. And, you know, I, I want to use inclusive language. It's about controlling people with uteruses. Um, that's just him admitting it right there. A fertilized egg doesn't count unless it's inside a woman or in, it's inside a uterus. He just admitted it. <laughs> so, like, we don't have to debate that anymore. That was Saxby Chambliss just being very, very honest about it. So, yeah, I mean, this, this is an incredibly sad story about this poor two-and-a-half-year-old Guatemalan boy who died. But just, again, shows the rampant hypocrisy. And, like, they don't care about being hypocritical, right? They don't care if they're revealed as hypocrites. We just need to have a very honest conversation right now because this is what it's really about. It's about controlling people's bodies, whether we're talking about trying to dictate forced birth. That's what we're talking about, right? They, the conservatives want to force people to have to give birth. Or even like policing where people go to the bathroom. They want to be the reproductive health police. They want to be the gender police. This is fascism. That's what we're talking about. So also in bad news, in keeping with the LGBT theme in the worst possible way, the Trump administration has been uh, denying birthright citizenship under a State Department policy to the children of same-sex couples because they're claiming that the kids are quote-unquote born out of wedlock um, therefore th they don't belong 
to the couple and therefore can't have birthright citizenship, which is terrifying. Um, and the language of born out of wedlock too is like, Jesus Christ, talk about a slippery slope with that. Um, but yeah, this is really frightening. And I, I'm sure I don't have to list the myriad myriad of reasons why it's so scary but like there's no security for these families you know um what's to stop the government now from forcibly separating these these families what do they do if a medical emergency comes up they don't have legal standing to make medical decisions about their kid now are you fucking kidding me um it's really really scary (laughs) i also think back to the election when there were certain left-wing figures claiming that Trump would be socially progressive. Well, Jesus Christ, here we are. (laughs) But we were hyperbolic, right? Um, So yeah, just terrible. Um, Very, very scary. The only, again, me struggling to find a silver lining is federal judges you know, those guards against the Trump administration completely steamrolling everybody in this country. A federal judge recently ruled in favor of another same-sex couple who faced a similar hurdle under the State Department's surrogacy policy. So that judge ruled in February that the State Department statute does not contain language requiring a blood relationship between the person and the father in order for citizenship to be acquired at birth. In this case, the same-sex couple were men. So that's the reason uh, for that wording. But, uh, so, I mean, that's good, obviously, right? Because that's that's a precedent where it's like, well, this judge over here said that you don't need to be related by blood. So that's good. But again, that this is me struggling to find a silver lining in a really, really bad story. But guys, on that note, that's enough of the bad. I mean, my God, it's a Sunday. God rested on this day, okay? And I'm going to rest right now. But not really, because I'm going to tell you some good news. So my first good news story, believe it or not, is about Jay Inslee. And if you're like, who? He is the guy who's running for president on the platform of fighting climate change. He's a one-issue candidate. Luckily for Jay, it's the most important issue in the world. Now, I can't vouch for anything else about his platform because I don't know anything else about his platform. To me, Jay Inslee is just the climate change guy. But I think it's really good he's in this race because we need somebody who gets into the debate, hopefully he'll get into the debate, who is constantly challenging all of the candidates to fucking talk about climate change. It's the most important story in the world right now. Um, Also, shout out to The Guardian. I wasn't going to talk about this, but they're changing the way they cover climate change. They're no longer going to call it climate change. They're now going to call it a climate emergency, which might seem like a small difference, but I actually think it's really important. And hopefully they'll set the tone for other major publications to 
escalate the rhetoric surrounding our climate emergency. So Jay Inslee unveiled a $9 trillion climate jobs plan to cut cut emissions and bolster unions. Hey, it's a 15,000-word document, including proposals to rapidly decarbonize, create 8 million jobs, and revitalize the labor movement. Hey, why not? Uh, by repealing right to law, right, sorry, right to work laws. It's a a 38 page evergreen economy plan. And I think this is good news because I think it is vital that we have a candidate talking about this right now and talking about it almost to an an excessive, um, point only talking about that only being the one issue they talk about because as good as candidates like bernie sanders or elizabeth warren might be on climate change there is a temptation to not talk about it you know unfortunately our climate emergency is one of those things that is largely invisible unless you are a poor person on the front lines of our climate emergency, like um, your island is actually going underwater right now or has completely gone underwater, as has happened already, you probably don't deal with the consequences of climate change on a day-to-day basis. So there is always a temptation to put it on the back burner. And having Jay Inslee in this race won't allow them to do that. I hope. If he gets enough momentum and if he gets into the the debates, that's my hope for him. So also in good news, um, and again, LGBT themed, because June is right around the corner, everybody. Um, Oh, and also I'm going to be in L.A. I I swear to you this is related. I'm going to be in L.A. the end of June through July 1st. What should I go do? I mean, I'm going to be doing a lot of shows, so I don't have a ton of downtime. But if you have any, like, oh, my God, you're in L.A., you got to do this recommendations, tweet me. <coughs> so back to Pride. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but in New York City, and it's not just New York City, there has been a very aggressive corporatization of pride in new york city so much so that it's become a joke really (laughs) it's like here comes the chase bank float you know it's like it's truly that bad that's not an exaggeration chase has a float in in the pride parade so the reason this is in the good news section is out of the ashes (laughs) rose another march in the city called the queer liberation march um, which happens on the same day as the New York City Pride March um, as a stonewall echoing protest. So rejecting corporations and really getting back to that spirit of revolution and community, which BT dubs is where Pride comes from. Pride has really been hijacked by corporations in the in the past few decades. So... I mean, longer than that, but you know what I mean. Don't tweet me angrily. 
So now we have these two marches that are going to be happening. And you get to decide which one you want to go to on Sunday, June 30th. And listen, I don't want to tell you what to do. It's not my place, right? But the Queer Liberation March, which, by the way, is organized by the Reclaim Pride Coalition, begins earlier. It's going to kick off at 930 on 7th Ave, just below Christopher Street, within eyeshot of Stonewall, before heading across West 10th Street to 6th Ave, and then an epic urban march north to Central Park. I don't know. That sounds like a good time. If you are going to go, if you end up going, hashtag Light Trees and Pod. Let us know. I mean, unless, if you're safe doing that. Um, I probably don't have to tell you this, but uh, don't out yourself if, if you're not safe being out. So, also in good news, and again, <laughs> she has a theme, <laughs> and she is aggressively sticking to it. Uh, congratulations to Taiwan, where Parliament has legalized same-sex unions. Very exciting. Taiwan just became the first in Asia to legalize same-sex marriage. In 2017, the island's constitutional court ruled that same-sex couples had the right to legally marry. Parliament was given a two-year deadline. God, that's a long-ass deadline. <laughs> two years was re required to pass the changes. Um, lawmakers debated three different bills to legalize same-sex unions, and the government's bill, the most progressive of the three, was passed. Isn't it so surreal to read about a country that had three different bills, and they went with the most progressive one. Oh, in case anybody's wondering also, and I shouldn't talk about this because we're technically in the good news section, I shouldn't bring up bad news. Uh, I didn't even want to talk about what happened in Australia because I'm not an expert. I don't want to like talk about stuff that I don't know about. Um, but I know the gist of it. And what was so sad was so many people observing the Australia election thought maybe this would be the climate election that would really bolster the environmental movement. Uh, and that was not the case. Um which surprised a lot of experts, and this will sound familiar, uh, who were reading the polls. And it seemed like the opposition center-left Labor Party was leading. And they were leading in the polls for months. Uh, but they lost. And the, the messaging for why they lost is that voters rejected their move left on taxes, spending, and climate change uh so a very very sad turnout uh, australian prime minister scott morrison is edging closer to a majority government not good <laughs> um and i i felt really bad for my australian friends as i was watching them watching the results come in um and we might not know the final results for a while uh, but 
with more than 76% of votes counted, the Liberal National Coalition has won or is ahead in 75 seats with Labor trailing on 67 seats. Steer is sad. This is why I didn't want to bring it up. But I just remembered um, that I hadn't talked about it. And it was a, an important story. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Oh, and then this is a fun story to end on. Now that I just depressed everybody with the Australian election <laughs> news coverage. This was a cool moment. Um, a billionaire named Robert F. Smith was giving the commencement speech at Morehouse College, um, which is a uh, historically black college. Um, and I mean, this is like the biggest flex I've seen in a while, or maybe like the biggest mic drop. So during the commencement speech, or closing it out, he committed to paying off the student debt of the entire 2019 graduating class of Morehouse. <laughs> like, holy shit, dude. Um, I actually have the clip of him making this promise. And uh, I just let's let's listen to it real quick. This is a challenge to you, alumni. This is my class, 2019. And my family is making a grant to eliminate their student loans. my class will make sure they pay this forward. And I want my class to look at these alumnus, these beautiful Morehouse brothers, and let's make sure every class has the same opportunity going forward. So here's how I feel about that. Uh, amazing. Such a, such a cool example of a way to give back to your community because you have been very fortunate in, in business and um, the, we live in a terrible capitalist society, right? Um, but you lucked out and, and you acquired a lot of wealth. This is a great example of egalitarianism giving back to your community. However, it's so maddening to think we have enough money to do that for everybody. We don't. We just have to... We're all at the mercy of kind billionaires, if there are kind billionaires. If anybody can actually be kind and have that amount of huge wealth at their disposal, right? We just have to hope we hit the lottery like that. You just happen to be in the graduating, the 2019 graduating class of Morehouse. I kept thinking, imagine if you were in the 2018 class or, or the 2020 class. 
missing out by a year having your student debt wiped out. How fucked up that is. What a mind fuck that would be, you know? So I'm putting this in the good news section because, hey, good on you, dude. That is an incredibly, and I, I hope there's follow through. <laughs> he actually doesn't imagine if he's just like, I'm going to do it. And then he pieces out. They never see him again. He changes his name. Um, so good on you, Robert Smith, the dude with the most boring name in the world. It's Bobby Smith. Bob Smith. Uh, that That's amazing. Also, I should say in January, Smith gave the school $1.5 million for an, a scholarship, too. And a new park. <laughs> So he's given a lot to this school. That's great, but it is limiting and it's frustrating because it, it, you just start thinking about that parallel universe where Al Gore is president. Don't think about that too deeply or your head will explode. Not to say Al Gore was this amazing guy and like wouldn't have gone to war and all of that stuff too, but it is um, wild to think about, <laughs> you know? But this is a more tangible thing we could have. We we could wipe out student debt. Uh, ask Elizabeth Warren. One of her platforms. Man, she's smart. I'm very excited to see her in the debates. Don't get me wrong. This election is going to be a shit show. But I am very excited to see Elizabeth Warren um, be very smart <laughs> and very likable and a very good communicator. That just uh, on a nerd level is like viscerally exciting for me. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. Guys, I'm going to cut this episode a little short. Was that a word? Did the, oh, God, I'm so tired. I'm going to cut this episode a little short is what I meant to say. And I just sort of bled it all together in one word because uh, I'm very tired and I need to go sleep before Game of Thrones. I got to take my Game of Thrones nap, everybody. You understand. You're all adults. So... Listen, here are all the ways you can get in touch and you can share our episodes because that's the only way people hear about us through word of mouth. You can use the hashtag LightTreasonPod on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter. You can retweet us to your followers. That helps tremendously. You can like us on Facebook. Every time you like those posts, Facebook's algorithm is like, oh shit, I guess you want to engage with this content more and you'll see our posts more. So if you're ever like, I've never seen a light trees and news post on my Facebook feed, even though I follow you uh, and I'm a fan of your page, it's because you don't engage with the posts. So really, whose fault is that? Hmm? It's your fault. I'm just kidding. I love you. So like those posts, comment on those posts, share those posts. I always see when you do that and I always appreciate it. Instagram. Believe it or not, we're getting more and more followers on Instagram. And I think it's because you're young. You're young kids. Do not ask me to go to Snapchat. I don't understand it and I don't like it. I did a TikTok video once and I was confused the whole time. And, and I was forced to do it by some young people I know. And it was fun. I still don't fully understand what we did, but it was it was fine. But I don't understand what you guys are doing. So don't suck me into it. But you can like our posts on Instagram, comment, follow us. That all helps so, so much. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on everything we talked about today? Do you have any new recommendations? Do you have Game of Thrones feelings? Do you have any feelings about the things we talked about today? I know I have Australian listeners. Um, how are you? Are you okay? Do you want me to send you cat photos? Will that help? I don't know how to help. Um, but yeah, talk to each other, support each other, be nice to each other, mm, 
all of that wonderful stuff. Oh my God. Enjoy your freaking week. Go tear it up. Ugh. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>